Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. back hey welcome everyone it is yes correct raven it is two for two tequila tuesday so glad you guys all bounced back uh it is that time of the week again for another edition of the great game with matthew Errett. uh it needs no introduction to all very all of you are very familiar with his work uh don't forget to do us a favor jump over to matthew's various platforms where you can find his work over at the canadianpatriot.org as well as the rising tide uh, foundation and don't forget Matthew Eretz Substack as well. Uh, the links are totally there in the description, so check it out. Uh, with that being said, Matthew, welcome back to another edition of The Great Game. How are you, sir? Hey, CJ. I'm doing well, doing very well. And uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm very happy that we're, uh, we're exiting the 2022, and, uh, and there's a lot of potential going into 2023, but obviously it's good to get this 2022 behind us right. <laughs> and start a new chapter in human civilization. Um, I hope people watching right now are, are not suffering the effects of, of Christmas party hangovers as much as I am. But uh, <laughs> the if food, you are, you're, you're going to enjoy this. <laughs> the food thing is very real. Like, I think I've, I've expanded my stomach. So now you have no choice but the following days to consume even more because you're like, I'm hungry now. But I, I try to limit it. But it's just hard when there's so many different good foods around. Yeah. It's part of the holidays, part of the culture. But you're right, though. In, in terms of uh, 2022 is a very uh, turbulent year. Uh, a lot of things multifaceted in terms of not only the, the economic, but the geopolitical mm -hmm. landscape uh, that's leading us into 2023. And I was yeah. I was hoping with the Christmas season would come some some peace, some reflection upon what that means, peace on Earth and so forth. But Matthew, unfortunately, it just doesn't doesn't seem that way. I don't feel that in the air. How about you? Now, the spirit of Tiny Tim has not yet begun to take hold yet. <laughs> but, you know, we need we need probably a, a few more lessons <clears throat> uh, that need to slap us a little bit more into reality before we, we start, I think, um, tuning to the actual beat of the universe. And, you know, we've been living under under a lot of illusions for a, a very long time. Um, we've had these these false constructs of what we were told human beings were, what governments were, what the future was supposed to be, which were all make-believe. And now, you know, um, there's a lot of readjustments, let's just say that, uh, breaking of bad habits of thinking, of even feeling like a lot of people's very instincts themselves 
are miswired according to the types of cultural matrices that they've that they've been cultivated within that have been designed to bring up bring about the the worst ideas and lowest level passions which prevent us from i think seeing the beauty of what human beings are actually capable of in a non-romantic way and I, i'm i'm saying this now in regards to the clash of the two systems and a lot of people they they still are are mentally incapable of conceptualizing how a world not dominated by a death cult could possibly exist like what i'm saying here is like a non-hobbesian world order hobbes being the you know the great theoretician of what was soon to become the british empire when was he around he was uh operating in the, in the 16th century late 16th century early 17th century and uh and hobbes outlined a rule of law for those who don't know which was effectively a pre a precursor to something that became popular in our modern day under the term of francis fukuyama's uh end of history or the idea of a you know the new world order as uh, as it's been bandied about in the 20th century and into the present but really the end of history concept is rooted in the concepts of of hobbes thomas hobbes hobbes was uh, somebody who was a a protege in many ways of uh paulo sarpi a venetian grand strategist um, he was an associate of people like Francis Bacon. Um, in fact, probably there, there's there's enough evidence to indicate that they were, Francis Bacon and Hobbes were even lovers. Um, oh, wow. He was wow. assigned to formulate a, an idea of or, or a thesis of what humanity should adapt to if we want to abide by the laws of God and of nature, which was the idea that, um, well, he said, every the world must be assumed to be arranged according to each against all, that every individual unit of a person is at constant war with their neighbors, that every unit of a, of a nation, whatever those were back in his day, this is like, you know, communities, tribes are at war with other tribes. And because we have to assume that all states of perpetual conflict are a universal constant, you can't break that. The only way to have peace in his world was through the, the obedience to a Leviathan. That was actually the name of his most famous work, the Leviathan, that sort of imposes order from the top, from above the system, and that that controls the um, the, per, the 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 changes within the system, the conflict. So it's not like you're actually having a world of peace. If anything, you're having a type of peace which is defined by um, fear fear of being punished by masters and overlords. So you might have a type of peace where your slaves are obedient, but it's not a real peace because there's no freedom of the individual to abide by their conscience, to actualize their potentials as all babies yearn to do. So it's really an anti-peace and it's a piece of pot that, that necessitates population control. It, it necessitates keeping people dumbed down so that they don't get the types of thoughts that would awaken the love of justice or freedom or the ability to distinguish a lie from a truth. So I wanted to start today because we we really are going into this new year. And I, I think that Lavrov did a very good job outlining the two opposing schools of thinking as we enter 2023 and, and beyond. When he uh, described Francis Fukuyama and he, and he said, you know, Francis Fukuyama, this is in uh, this is December 26th. He, uh, he gave the speech to... Um, a working meeting with the senior executives of the Russian media mm -hmm. in Moscow. And he said, you know, Francis Fukuyama said 30 years ago, this is, this is Lavrov now that the end of history had come, 
by which he had meant the overwhelming dominance of liberal ideology, democracy. Um, he, he was ridiculed and they were saying he was wrong and there was no need to take uh, such rash forecasts. Now he says, if you, and he's, he's of course referring now to when he says 30 years ago, this is the collapse of the Soviet Union. You know, the idea that you could finally have a, um, a unipolar world regime dominated by an Anglo-American cabal that would then impose liberalism onto the rules-based international order. And all that was required was for, you know, NATO to consolidate itself to become a global NATO instead of just being something on uh, the periphery of, of uh, Russia into the into you know the pacific into the middle east into africa that was the that was the the idea that that was a foregone conclusion that was the leviathan that was that was on the cusp of being brought into being now lavrov said if you look at the biden administration's policy now it becomes clear that they want the end of history to take place not just in the works of political analysts scientists and pundits but in real life as well Everything that we are now witnessing in Europe in its broadest sense and on other continents where U.S. messengers want every country to take an anti-Russian position to join the sanctions and to keep from talking with Russian representatives reflects an attempt to establish the end of history and the final and irreversible dominance of the golden billion. President Vladimir Putin has talked about this more than once. And then he goes through the importance to recognize that history is never going to end. That is a complete artificial uh, utopian ivory tower illusion that will never work that way because history is always built upon human beings hitting the limits to their existence of their knowledge of their growth potential and then going beyond it. That's like the fabric that he says is primal in the, in the human phenomenon, not adapting to what masters say. But this idea of always looking to leap beyond the the unknown into new discoveries that make life better. And he makes the point that the multipolar uh, orientation is the only one right now which is fitting an actual human civilization. So he goes through that very, very well. So I think today, I mean, th this is the thing. Like, we're, we're now really seeing a doubling down of this insanity. We've got the not only this, this idea of the 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 liberal rules-based order is not just like it sounds nice on the surface for some you know liberal who doesn't who doesn't want liberal like liberal comes from liberty does it not don't we all wouldn't we all prefer liberty correct than, yeah than yeah not? absolutely the ideas yeah. of liberty individual liberty individual freedom although nowadays oh. may, people may even struggle to define what that is uh matt in today's environment what does the ideas yeah. of liberty, what are the principles of individual freedom and, and liberty represent? And yeah. I think there are certain people who are who are so tied into the ideas of being a collective society that no, 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 that we have to live in a collective society that we all have to meet an agreement. We all have to reach the same conclusion. So therefore, individuality may or may not exist. Well, that's the thing, right? So <laughs> I think part of this, this idea is like what, what makes liberalism a good cover for fascism is that on the one hand it's premised around the 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 max the, the the worst possible rejection of truth that you could imagine because liberty simply becomes this banal my ability to do whatever the hell i want to do 
Like that's my, that's how you define freedom is just doing whatever you want to do. But it's like, well, sometimes what you want to do is stupid and self-destructive to yourself, your family, your neighbors, like doing whatever you want to do is not necessarily, you know, you might want, you, you might get in a mood one day to, you know, you might get depressed. You want to kill yourself. You might get, in, you might have a mood where you, you, you know, because of whatever conditioning you're, you're in as a 17 year old kid in school and you're in your culture and you're, you know, that you might want to just like get surgery to, uh, to change, to cut off your penis. Right. right? I just want to do that. Does that mean that that is actually the truthful thing that you really deep down uh, really, really want? Or is that something that's been coerced into you as a false desire? Mm. Well, the freedom to do whatever you want to do, all of a sudden you realize, well, if you're, if your society is controlled by social engineers for, you know, manipulating your emotions on most things, it's not really freedom. And, um, in that sense, when you get around to, well, what is actually true? Well, people get kind of offended by that. It's like, well, maybe you shouldn't want a lot of the things you want. And people get offended because it's like, well, no, that's sacred. What I want is sacred. That that must be like maximum freedom. And, and well, like I, you said. Yeah. You, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but I saw a recent statistic, like you had mentioned that the, the freedom and so forth. And when you look at um, – uh, suicide, like for some, mm. like in Canada, for uh, when they they actually legalized that, like isn't like suicide like among the youth, like like the third or fourth largest, like it, it, it's significant, it's crazy in Canada right now, like suicide and the death rate due to suicide is just is just off the charts. And you know, exactly suicide or euthanasia, euthanasia. I'm sorry, yes, 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 which so. is not that different, admittedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. Um. Well, yeah, no, there's like a 10 time, a tenfold increase in the past uh, six or seven years since uh, they really began. 2016 is when they started really making suicide more normalized as far as euthanasia was concerned. But it was really just in the last couple of years that it's 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 opened wide open. Um, and that could be some of the social programming that, you know, that, that, that occurs. So, and watch out, we have a gorilla in the house now. So hey, watch it's out. a gorilla. Hey, I, I apologize for running a little bit late. Um, yes, euthanasia is, is very liberal. It's very loving. It's very trendy. And uh, if you're a Western country out there and you're not on the euthanasia bandwagon, then you are missing out, my friend. Euthanasia mm. for everyone. Like if you, you you have a bad hair day, you wake up, you have a bad hair day. Consider instead of combing your hair, consider euthanasia. Absolutely no. I mean, if you're feeling bad, what you have every right to not feel at all like that exactly. not feeling is better than not fe better than feeling bad so why not go for what's better right um, isn't it amazing that we're right now somewhere between 1984 and a brave new world in in, in many of the western countries oh man no it, well it, but this this gets at cuz you you missed this when uh, so we just began by sort of contrasting the the end of history Francis Fukuyama Hobbesian world order of the the yeah. unipolarists at, versus the the multipolar world based upon win-win cooperation anti-Hobbesianism which uh, Lavrov um, paid homage to um, in a in a little speech he gave in a, an excellent speech in Moscow uh, yesterday really really great presentation but when you get down to it liberalism is it has a lot a lot in common with Nazi fascism. More than yeah. than people would like to re to to admit. Admit, yeah. Um, but because part of it of the idea of liberalism is you have to say, well, okay, concepts like like what Hobbes was getting at. Hobbes was ultimately trying to get across in his in his sophistry, and we were talking about Hobbes a little bit at the beginning. That um, 
concepts like justice are really just defined around the will of the stronger, very much like what Nietzsche repackaged later on. The will of the stronger. There's no actual principle of justice, of actual love, because why? Well, these are immaterial metaphysical principles. They don't really have existence except for those who control the definitions, who are, again, the the, the alpha dogs, you know, the, 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 the leaders of the pack in the jungle, right? The master mm -hmm. class who can just will to power um, in the chain of command. And so yeah. if you don't believe in things of the transcendental, then you can't believe in things like the sacred as having any real value. And in that sense, human life and the sacred become, you know, abstract ideas. Life becomes, well, you know, you're a, you're a, a, a basket of chemicals and of molecules there's nothing sacred about chemicals and molecules. This cup, I can I can smash this cup and I won't go to jail. So why can't I smash your head or whatever? And, you know, like in the, in the Nazi world, if you look at like, well, what was the underlying philosophy of the rise of Nazism? It was ultimately liberalism. There was a, de yes. a denial of the sacredness of life, of truth. That's why eugenics, the euthanasia policies of the Tear Garden 4 program of the 1930s were brought in so openly. And, and it was very easy to convince people that freedom is death. You know, if, if your, if your life is causing you a, a burden or if you're, you per se are a burden because of your low IQ or uh, maybe criminal or dispositions or something like that, or, or maybe bad breeding. If you're, if you're a, a drag on the human gene pool, it's, it should be a liberating thing for you to no longer be a drag on the, on the gene pool and be euthanized. Right. And we'll save a few bucks to the state, too, that can no, now go towards giving a loan to a, a nice pure blood f family of, of Aryans uh, to, to procreate or whatever else, you know. So <clears throat> that that was really that's why the Germans, before they even started getting towards slaughtering Jews and gypsies and uh, gays and, and Slavs, before they even got to that, they started killing their own people to the to the magnitude of something like 250,000 Germans. Yeah were deemed to have lives unworthy of life. of life exactly life not worthy of life correct yeah correct. that's it that's how they got to it is they they denied the, the the truthful principle that life is truthfully sacred that was denied instead well then at that point well what do you judge a life by well how about money you know uh, that that then becomes the new substitute um and as soon as you allow some mathematical standard like money or something like that to be the determinant of whether grandma is uh, kept alive or your baby is is kept alive after, you know, if, it, if it's, let's say, you know, uh, born with Down syndrome or whatever, you're you're on the path to hell. But it's a liberal path to hell. And so, people. So thought, it's OK. Huh? Because it's a liberal path to hell. It's it's, it's OK. It's, Perfectly fine. it's so trendy. It's so loving. Yeah. Hey, it's Velas. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Hey Velas, <laughs> we gotta get Velas on the uh, the uh, end of uh, end of the the year uh, overview. We should, we should Absolutely. definitely get him on. You hear He's that, a maniac? Okay. <laughs> so yeah, no, exactly. So th this whole euthanasia thing, like people are, are not realizing to what degree, and I'm, I guess now they're they're sort of seeing it as as it's doubling down, being at the end of the system that we are. They're starting to see now very clearly, I think more and more, how this the. Res the residues of Nazism not only didn't go away, but actually have been growing and growing and growing over the past 80 years after World War II. And now you have like the UN at the United Nations for the first time. Every year, there's always a resolution um, to demand the rejection of Nazism within the school system, within any type of pro-Nazi propaganda or re pro-Nazi revision of history. Often the Russian uh, delegation at the UN uh, pushed this heavily, but it's generally passed 
these types of resolutions um, by the majority of member states at the UN, the UN. But you always have, you know, the US, Israel, Canada um, rejecting it, saying, no, this is pro-Russian propaganda um, and saying no. And then you got a few of the the, col- the the colonial puppet states as well who are part of the Five Eyes sort of uh, cage abstaining from voting. This year, it happened just a, about a week ago. No, two weeks ago, I think. But for the first time, you had Austria, home of you know Adolf Hitler, and Germany both actually rejecting and saying no to supporting this uh, this bill to um, to stop the the promotion of Nazism. So that was that was a new and very dangerous precedent, especially considering the fact that a lot of the same moving parts and, and pieces to the formula that got us into World War II are now being brought back online, both in Japan, where we have the Japanese government, you know, which has had a big problem, especially to the, the Nippon uh, Party yeah. uh, of Shinzo Abe. But it, it's still a major cultural influence that has been convinced largely because of western generated rewriting of their own history books that uh, the faults of world war ii was the big bad chinese even though the the japanese were wow are you kidding me yeah no it's they're that that's the most they're rewriting history saying it was the chinese that caused world the 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 were on the wrong side of that that war i mean they they basically are trying they try to convince themselves that the Japanese were in the right to assert their uh, their sovereignty and their imperial right to rule Asia. They uh, they still glorify many of the the fascist, you know, uh, Nazi collaborator. Uh, Japan's on crack. Japan, civilizationally, in, in terms of culture, they're the weakest state that they can be in. They're nothing but a bunch of Western lapdogs. They are a sub-poodle, culturally well- speaking, at this point. <laughs> Look, I, sub poodle. I, I want there's like like every country, V. There's there's always two. There's a deep state and a good component. Yeah, and you want to yeah, yeah. you want to talk to the good component of, of Japanese. Oh yeah, culture. the good component is great. I have no yeah, problem yeah, with the good component. I'm talking about the 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 government aligned lackeys and the politicians in Japan who are doing this insanity. Have they yeah. forgotten the rape of Nanking? Yes. Have they forgotten about that? Yeah. And I mean, Dude, China no. hasn't. No, China is not. <laughs> Chad has not forgotten about, they haven't forgotten about Unit 731 and Hiro Ishii that carried out massive mutilation uh, on biological warfare specimens that were Chinese, you know, civilians and Russian and American POWs that were killed. I think up to 80,000 people were experimented upon and killed by Hiro Ishii's 731 unit, which was absorbed by Fort Detrick, Maryland into the U.S. military industrial complex that went to work producing biological warfare used against American people, like actual black people in America in the 1960s, 70s, the Tuskegee experiments, um, so many things. Uh, Korea, I mean, we had biological warfare deployed by this this uh, operation run out of the United States, but with Japanese war criminals that carried out experimentation on the Koreans, on the Vietnamese, on Cambodians, you name it. It's still going on. This is behind today's arsenal of yeah. 320 plus U.S. bio labs controlled and steered by the pentagon to this very day it's still there um so 320 bio labs what 320 bio labs as far as i know i thought it was less but yeah the yeah. recent estimate that i'm this seeing is what ringing, ringing, it's surrounding huh? it's surrounding china correct 
Well, you got all over all over Korea with the Centaur and uh, the the Centaur and Jupiter Labs. Um, You got it, yeah, all over Asia. You got it in in uh, Georgia, big time. There's something like 45 labs tied to Metabiota and and the Obama Biden operations. Hunter Biden, everybody knows his connections to Metabiota through the Barisma. I I mean, through the the Hunter Biden laptops um, in Ukraine, which are also tied in weird, weird ways to Barisma, which is tied to. People like Igor Kolomoskoy, who essentially owns Barisma through a few shell companies in the Caribbeans, British the or dual British citizen Kolomoshki. Yeah, and this guy, what's he? You know, he's a bankroller of the Azov Battalion. This is actually going to link us into what I wanted to go with this thing, back to the Nazis, because he's also the president and founder of the Israeli European Parliament in 2011, right? So he's he's this billionaire Zionist operative in ukraine who's doing all of this stuff with very very shady characters in israel bankrolling a nazi militia founded in 2014 in the outgrowth of the maidan under people like andrew beletsky who called for exterminating the jews from the face of the earth and instilling a new regime controlled by the white races now here's the irony to this very today this week you had the this very Azov battalion with their Nazi regalia, wolf sangles, you know, uh, modified wolf sangle um, logos, going to Israel to Masada, where you had the Masada cult originally back in yes. the Roman Empire days, paying homage, um, saying that we are now leading a new Masada uh, <laughs> fight. Um, Th- and this is clown world. In, by leading Zionist billionaires like uh, Putin's main a big enemy, um, Leonid uh, Nev- Nevzlin, yeah, um, who's a, a multi-billionaire, had to he he got his his resources during the 1990s working very closely with Mikhail Khodorkovsky, Kudur- uh, yep. who's another multi-billionaire who basically raped Russia, pillaged it under the helm of people like Jeffrey Sachs who's currently being trotted out by his handlers as like a new voice of reason to try to like, you know, paint <laughs> the, yeah, that's what's happening yeah, right now. Right. Yeah. yeah Jeff, Jeff Sachs and he was, he, him and his, how he, how, how he loved working for Gorbachev and working with Gorbachev, excuse me. And, and he was there during the Boris Yeltsin year trying to help with a smooth transition. And now Jeff Sachs is, uh, because the whole, uh, Koof narrative, the whole event 2020 narrative is falling apart. Now they're rolling him out as, uh, oh, yeah, you know, it's a bad idea. This whole thing that happened with the, the, the event 2020 and the jib jab, jibby jabs that were put on people and the forced lockdowns. Oh, it's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. No, he's but it's really like, a, you know, I've spoken about this before, but it's, it's, it's an interesting doorway into the inner turmoil and psychology of an of an oligarchy. Which, which creates a mess for itself that yeah. it doesn't know how to deal with. Oh, there you go, CJ. Good. You pulled it up. I mean, think about what is we're living in clown world, man. Yeah. This is the this Israel is... welcomes honored Nazi Azov battalion, the friends of Ukraine, the Israel based Friends of Ukraine and uh, Nadav Foundation, which is run by this guy, Leonard uh, Nevzlin, financed the, a group of Azov representatives to come down to Israel. Not a peep because I, I, even the, the, the media outlets like Haratz, Haretz, which yeah. sometimes does good reporting, sometimes, is owned by Leonid Nevzlin. So this yeah. guy who was ex- uh, expelled from Russia, he had to, av- to avoid going to jail in 2005 
uh, during Putin's first original crackdown on the oligarchs built up by the IMF, the World Bank, the city of London, Sachs, the Clintons. In order to escape arrest, he went and got, he, he renounced his Russian citizenship, set up shop in Israel, became an Israeli uh, citizen, and basically reconstituted his entire cr criminal operation, created this foundation that is now bringing in Igor Kolomoskoy's uh, Nazis from Ukraine. And the argument that they're saying, or their defense for doing this, because a lot of people are obviously, especially in Israel, saying like, why are we doing this again? Like, uh, this doesn't, doesn't, is this a little bit contrary to our, uh, our raison d'etre? And their uh, their argument, and this is actually an argument delivered by the ADL themselves. And Gray Zone ah. published a uh, a little bit of a a, 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 a critique of the uh, Anti Defamation League for having supported or given their support to the uh, the Azov. And the Azov or the the ADL specifically came out and said, "Oh, there it is. Yeah, there there it is, right there." Um, so go to the Gray Zone website. You can read this fantastic article by Alexander Rubin. Oh, look at that. They declared that Azov is no longer far right. No longer far right. They said, That's yeah, it, 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 uh. in their official two-paragraph response, they said, yeah, the, Azov once was a far right. They say they don't even say Nazi, but they say, yes, it once was far right. But, you know, it's been uh, the, the, the it's been absorbed into the official Ukrainian special forces, uh, Ukrainian defense forces. And so now all of those far right radicals are mostly all gone. Andrey Bolesky is now gone. And yeah, you know, and look then they said, the, oh, yeah, look, look at the patch. Look at the patch on this guy's suit. Yeah, that's a modified that's wolf this... angle. Yes. Yeah. With an idea. Yo. And they and they booted Kanye for having the Star of David with the Nazi symbol in the middle. What's I... the difference? I totally missed the ADL right there. Eh? <laughs> there it is. Okay. Yes. The ADL with the wolf's angle. Right, with the, the, the no, Nazi black out of the occult. See, for people who don't know, in, in behind the uh, the yellow shield, you see that there's a yellow uh, white circle. Yeah, that is the uh, the Nazi black son of the occult, which is a a occult satanic um, symbol used by the Thula Society, which was mm -hmm. a, a really satanic society that was at the core of the entire Nazi um, movement. Right. Leading SS officers were all members of this thing. That was tied to Aleister Crowley's operations from the Ordo Templi Orientis. Igor Kolomoski, right? Igor Kolomoski, once again, yeah. funding Nazis. This is not the first time that globalist Jews, not, not you know, real Jews, not, you know, Torah-believing, worshipping good Jews. I'm talking about the globalist Jews. And this is hey, why I said... We're off, of, we're off of YouTube, right? No, I'll shut off. it down. We're, you know, That's we're probably a good idea. Okay, good idea. <laughs> Hey YouTube, we'll see you later. Get get over at Twitch, D Live, Periscope, uh, and we're all over there. So follow us over at least to Twitch. Mm. But the globalists, right? The globalists, and this is what I'm saying. It's like it's like uh, murder on the Orient Express. I use the example all the time, um, where where Monsieur Perrault, right, was was investigating the murder of this victim on the on the world famous Orient Express train. And he found out that every single person that he interviewed had a motive to kill the guy, yeah. right? And that's similar to globalists. Globalists mm -hmm. is, is is a Western death cult. So that they, the, so the, so the 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 Ukrainian Nazis are totally fine with the Zionists because once you remove the label, it's the same death cult. Well, ultimately, I mean that that's that's part of the problem, right? It, it, it's there's a, a again a, an idea that that truth is the will of the stronger and um and a lack of sense of an 
of an objectively true concept of the sacredness of all lives, regardless of your, your ethnicity. If you're, if you're alive and you're a human, your life is sacred. It is You cannot measure the quality of your life based upon any type of metric that is of a lower order than the sacred. Um, it, so in that sense, that that's that's totally absent, right, from any type of Hobbesian end of history Francis Fukuyama rules based order way of thinking, and uh, and you see it again with the we. So just to recap here for people, the mass embrace of euthanasia across, especially the Five Eyes, you got it, you know, moving ahead in a variety of U.S. states. It's big time in Canada as we're seeing it. It's expanding itself towards people who are simply depressed. Or people right. who are mature minors under the age of 18, people who are, you know, we've already been killing off already off the books, people who are are too expensive to maintain. But now they're they're expanding that and expanding that even more. They're doing it in Australia, New Zealand. You've got a variety of things going on every single level. Um, you have this Nazi revivalism happening in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, uh, obviously Ukraine. Um, all of these countries, Sweden, Finland, both of whom are now being integrated into NATO and who have, unfortunately, major Nazi connections in World War II that have never been resolved properly. And huge, weird Viking, you know, uh, mythology. mythology. Yeah, this yeah. is like very big um, Spartan Viking myths mythos that you know, the, the, it's it's making up for the lack thereof man that's what it is it's making yeah. up for a lack thereof. you have some of the most the most feminized men in the world live in the west and yeah. and, and because they're they're following the edicts of, of western culture and western culture is gone so you got all these weak men now all of a sudden they're mythologizing their viking history this that and the other it is completely making up for a lack thereof it's incredible to witness this and it's symptomatic of civilizations in decline yeah. Well, the, the, but this is part of the thing, too. This, this is how you, you radicalize people is you, you create such a um, a civilizational banality of blah. Right. You just tell everybody that there is no such thing as man or woman. You could just like be fluid and, and, and become you, you could you could basically leave your identity shaped upon whatever emotion you tend to feel at one given time because your emotions are sacred. Your emotions cannot be offended by anybody, and anybody who tries to is a anti-Semitic, um, hateful, domestic terrorist. You know, aka conspiracy theorist, which is all the same thing. We're told because everything that you that you think and say, if you're one, if you're if you believe in truth, even if you're you know, will offend somebody's emotions. That's part of yeah. what it means. To be human is people who think differently or have different ways of of, of uh, looking at the world will disagree on a variety of things. Now, the point of being a human is to use reason that God gave us to have dialogue, you know, respectful discourse in the pursuit of the truth to see, well, which one who's right. Maybe we're both wrong on various points. Maybe we both, maybe both parties have elements to learn from each other, you know, but, but you can only learn these things by having reasonable discourse. That was the basis upon which, the founding fathers of the United States established the constitution and the idea of a Republic was founded upon the idea that we are, a we are going to create a system where everybody is sovereign, but only sovereign because they can utilize their powers of reasoning with their conscience. And that type of deliberative process will create a self-perfecting um, nation state, a civilization that will always be able to overcome its illusions, its fallacies and, ever more perfectly pursue the truth. That is really what has been targeted for destruction in this liberal world of 
We just have to agree to disagree, or else if we don't, we'll have to fight each other to the death. That is absurd. Both of those, all those things are wrong. But here's the thing that gets back to what you were saying. If you get everybody to just become, uh, you know, like LGBTQ loving, you know, freaks who let their their ch their children get lap dances by drag queens as part of their uh, discovering em empowerment, as part of their empowerment. empowerment. If if that's the case, you are necessarily going to find a big chunk of the population disgusted and more easily polarized into an opposing extreme, which will then see which will then be be caught in a more radical fascist right-wing um, net as well, which will then, this is what we've seen in um, the growth of Nazism. If you actually look at the growth of the success of the Nazi paramilitary groups, the, the, the success of the, why is it that the Bandera um, fanatics today in Ukraine, why are they, why is the Azov movement a movement that is popular? Why did the, why, why are these things working today? Or why did they work back in the thirties and forties back in, in Germany in uh, in Ukraine and other parts of the world, why? It's because they were disgusted by this ultra liberalism that was sweeping from the halls of people like you know. Look at the the first Hungarian minister of culture uh, of the Bolsheviks in 1919, which was George Lukacs. George Lukacs for a hundred days was the Hungarian minister of culture who was teaching all of a sudden sex education. He was extracting Christian teachings from the the school system of Hungary. Um, while he was in there after the, the initial Bolshevik revolution, which was still a very underdefined process, funded, we must remind ourselves, by those same Lord Milner roundtable groups in London, the same Jacob Schiff, Paul Vorberg um, operatives in Wall Street who had just recently established the Federal Reserve as part of the, the takeover of a foreign power inside of the United States. They just did that. They were funding a regime change color revolution in Russia to overthrow a potential threat to their hegemony in the form of what was supposed to be at the time a Trotsky, uh, Mikhail Bakunin-led, you know, uh, Bolshevik revolution that was designed to extract and destroy any traditional teachings of Christianity, the family, um, anything like that had to be destroyed under this, this ideology. We saw it really take hold, like I just mentioned, in Hungary in 1919, where they had the firmest grasp over the the Ministry of Culture, and I, and I brought up George Lukacs. So this created, I mean, you're teaching kids sex education and, and other things, you know, at their age of six, seven years old in Hungary, 1919. That's not, that's that's weird, but it was spreading. And so in as a reaction to this type of anti-traditionalism of this ultra-liberalist Bolshevism, you had the creation of things like Count Kalergi, Kudenhove Kalergi's Pan-Europa movement which was essentially a Habsburg um, fascist, neo-fascist operation to capture and organize all of the right-wing non-liberals, so-called, or they thought of themselves as non-liberals, but they were really actually liberals in denial who were people like, you know, Hjalmar Schach, the Nazi minister of finance, like um, leading figures around Mussolini and the black shirts, uh, leading figures of the fascist movements all over Europe were all congealed around this thing as a controlled opposition. So they created a, a, a disaster movement and then they created a controlled right. So left and right, right? And then you get them to, to play off each other. Sort of like today, what you see with the new type of emergence of something which is still, oh, what do you got there? Russian President Putin is portrayed have as- you guys seen, Have you guys watched this video yet? 
you have know, you guys I, seen this? No, go for it. Play okay, it. dude, right. watch this. This is amazing. <laughs> that's hilarious that's super yep. funny <laughs> who did that majorly based oh man that was official uh russian government i think was he I'm not sure. That's how they okay. spun it. That's how it was like, yeah, yeah, Russian propaganda video. Although the Putin they had looks more like Fauci than he does Putin. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, I think the Big very, nose. very end, maybe there was like a little bit of CGI there. Um, yeah, yeah. But, bit, yeah, uh, there's a little yeah. bit of defake there for sure. That could definitely have some liberal shitting bricks. Uh, with us. Oh, my God. This is why Russia is a gas station masquerading as a country. <laughs> yeah, most people, I mean, you know, this is the thing, right? Like people today and they, we're in a world where the current Ukrainian government has illegalized Orthodox, the whole Orthodox Church, which is like the dominant expression of Christianity in Ukraine, has been illegalized in Ukraine. Um, most people in the West have been, especially young people who are like younger than, than 30 even, don't even realize that Christmas itself has something to do with Christ. <laughs> Yeah. And they will see that video and they'll look at that that little image of the cross and Jesus and be like, why is that? What does that have to do with Santa Claus? <laughs> right. Exactly. What does that have to do with Santa Claus? Exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's yeah, it's really been been just completely, completely forgotten by design that uh, that this is actually I mean, the 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 mass the mass that of Christ. Right. Like that's that was the whole idea. And uh, and it's been purged. So, yeah, we're in a we're in a place right now where. Like that, like the Russians are very, very aware. It is, it is a question of, and I, I think Archbishop uh, Kirill had said this is a, a question of biblical proportions. Essentially, like this is a matter of like Antichrist. We are up against effectively the spirit of Antichrist 
um, Kirill, and that's how the the general um, thinking of the Russian population and many of their allies is looking at the world right now as a as a battle of good and evil. Um, and and you know it, they're not wrong, especially when you start to just appreciate to what degree the oligarchy, which is now trying to consolidate its its, its stranglehold over the world, is willing to go to what extent to reduce the world population down to less than a billion. And a billion of very confused, broken people who don't understand that, you know, um, they should have a right to own things, to not eat bugs, to live beyond the age of, you know, I think the, we're, we're probably being expected to adapt to a, an average life expectancy of probably 40, 50 years old, maybe. We've already lost two and a half years under COVID alone on average life expectancy. China, in comparison, has increased to now being for the first time ever having a, a, an average life expectancy higher than the average American, which is now sunk to 76.5 years of age in the United States for a male adult. Uh, China has now re reached 77.2 going for the stars. They're, they're, they're in China based on the, the rejection of this death cult vision have moved from a, a society that had 3% of their population uh, living in the middle income uh, sector back in the year 2000 to being 53% today, which is going to become 70% or more by the by the year 2030 at this rate of change. So on every regard, people have been increasingly conditioned in their dumbed downness to believe that China is our nemesis without realizing that if you look at the evidence over the past decade, China, especially under Xi Jinping, has taken every opportunity to try to get us to work as collaborators with them on mutual development, reviving our sense of large-scale development projects. And in response, what have we got? What have they gotten in return? Not only getting spat in the face, but they have 100,000 U.S. troops building themselves up around China's perimeter, sparked by Hillary Clinton and Obama under the Asia pivot. But also now, I mean, in Japan, you have 50,000-plus U.S. troops stationed in Japan as a, as a colony which has now just seen the biggest defense spending increase budget with a renewed constitution that is, or not a renewed, a changed, modified Japanese constitution, which allows for the first time Japan to carry out an offensive act if it if it is in defense of one of their allies, whatever the hell that means, which now is increasingly also including Taiwan, as if Taiwan was not a part of China, which it is. Um, their current defense budget is now 50, I think it's something like $51 billion that they just passed last week, which involves also purchasing. And this part of the whole, like, you know, think of this in context of the renewed uh, embrace of Japanese fascism, unapologetic fascism of World War II, which is being glorified once more. Um, $51 billion, that's a 26% increase over last year's spending. It's a three, uh, and of that, $6 billion or $1.6 billion is going to buy long range Tomahawk missiles from like, I think it's, it's Raytheon. Um, very advanced that, missiles. That's the cutting edge of 1971 technology, you know, very it's, advanced it's really, it's delusional. It is, it is delusional, but they're, they're buying these old obsolete te technologies, but with an ideology of actually using them, um, against principally China, um, you have also F F 35s being purchased by Lockheed Martin. As part of this thing, but they're really amazing, like, like, amazing plane. It, it, it's invisible to radar. It could <laughs> it could carry ten thousand missiles, and it, fa it travels faster than the speed of light. Yeah, no, I know. It's it's embarrassing how they've marketed these things. They're such disasters. <laughs> <laughs> they had the speechwriter from Kamala Harris's campaign. 
Have you seen? I'll, maybe towards the end of this broadcast, we'll play the video clip of Kamala Harris's speechwriter. I don't know if you've seen him yet. No, I haven't. I haven't. We'll say that to the end. Yeah, yeah. Hook it up. Um, but all this to say, like, this is what's now moving ahead, and the 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 U.S. budget as well, right? They just passed this one point was it one point seven trillion dollar omnibus bill. Eight hundred and fifty eight billion dollars of that is towards defense spending, which is a, by far the highest record breaking uh, budget on defense. Big chunks of that are going towards Ukraine, $45 billion more on top of what was already given it, which pulls, I think, the totality to like $111 billion poured into this, this powder keg of Ukraine, basically just to burn money. And the whole thing is based on a death cult logic of trying to intimidate the hell out of nations of the world that don't want to sacrifice themselves, that want to have a multipolar world bringing online a new economic architecture founded upon real cooperation, real creation of real wealth in the real world, building infrastructure, building educational um, systems in Africa. You know, you have a, an alternative to SWIFT being set up. The Gulf states are being won over by China, especially, but also by Russia, and are going to be settling, uh, you know, sales of oil now going forward in Yuan, in Renminbi. You have an alternative to Visa, MasterCard being set up now across this entire multipolar uh, region where people can use Alipay and other things, um, Mir, the you know Russian payment system. You have similar things being fought for in South America too, which is moving really towards a pro-multipolar orientation with the Mercosur, which is now being set up as something which can empower the South Amer or Latin American states around SILAC, um, which also involves the Caribbean to work with China, with BRI projects ever more in independence. Um and of course, a lot of these things can become contaminated and, you know, corrupted. I'm not saying that either, that that these are uncorruptible, but it's a serious power play right now around a very different way of thinking about economics, around the idea of human beings that are that are tied to a concept of value, which is more than money, but rather based upon the concept that, that humans have value because we can all make discoveries, we can all contribute something of ourselves artistically, scientifically, in any way that makes the system better, that makes the world better. And money has to harmonize or, or temper itself according to that reality. So that's something which is going on right now. Again, Lavrov, people should read his speech from uh, December 26th. You can get it on the uh, the Taz website. You can get it on a variety of places. Putin has been speaking. Med Medvedev has also been speaking very, very clearly about these two choices humanity has to make right now. Um, Did you see Medvedev's uh, 2023 pred uh, predictions? Yes. yes Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we should. I should have had them ready to to read, but maybe maybe tomorrow or when we do our, our group uh, discussion. But yeah, it's uh, it's solid. Like these these are people who actually are have their minds in tune with what natural law actually is. And uh, yeah, it's. But that's twenty twenty three for us. So we'll see where where it goes. But the uh, <laughs> the stage is set. So it's going to be an interesting show. Without a doubt, the stage is set. And Matthew, because we have a few minutes left, I want to introduce Kamala Harris's speechwriter. If you've been wondering why our first female person of color vice president is one of the most eloquent, one of the most incredibly clear and articulate uh, speakers of our time, I'm going to show you the genius beyond who Kamala Harris is and who is really writing her speech. And from what I'm here, from what I'm hearing as well, he's actually going to be writing some of Joe Biden's speeches as well, just to take it up a, a notch. 
I'll present to you the speechwriter. Hi, I'm Oliver Bartholomew, and I'm 16 and a half years old, and I'm the speechwriter for Kamala Harris. <laughs> My mommy and daddy say, if you find a job you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Morning, Frank. Yeah, hey. Hey, Oliver. And my parents were right. Ever since I was little, I liked words. Writing words is fun. So I made writing words my job. Every politics person has a writer, like me, to make good words for them to say. Space is exciting. Space, it affects <laughs> us all. And it connects us all. Got that idea when I was thinking about space and how big it is. Man, it's big. It's not all fun though. Sometimes I have to write about bad stuff like war. Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists <laughs> next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So <laughs> Basically, that's wrong. It's cool to see the words I type good actually get get set on TV. It's fun. I like it. <laughs> Once I thought it would be neat if Kamala wore a blue suit and told people she was wearing it. Because I like blue. I'm a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. It's cool because the suit's blue. <laughs> and it's the color of the sky. Where did I get my ideas? From all over. One time, I was on the school bus, and I thought it would be neat if Kamala talked about the school bus. And who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? I can't take all the credit, though. Me and Mr. Kamala are team. You know, like relay racing? You know, you race and someone passes the baton and then... Right? But she kind of is crazy or something. And she kind <laughs> of scares me. And you can't take that kind of influence. Remember Venn diagrams, those three circles? Right. And then let's just see where they overlap. Yeah, I didn't. I did didn't. Have, didn't. <laughs> what else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. You're either born with it or you're either not. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. It's quitting time. I need to get home in time for good. See you, Marfag. See you later, Oliver. That's gold. That's gold. That you might as well. This is might as well be. I mean, he's not. That far off from when you consider Western think tanks and the people that are running Western policy in the United States. Like, like I one time pulled up the picture of the guy who's head of Russia strategy for the uh, the 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 what is it? The 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 uh, the Institute of War, right? Yeah. A major U.S. think tank, the Institute of War. The head of Russian policy is this effeminate looking kid who bear who's with scraggly facial hair and he's 27 years old. He's the head of, of, of Russia's strategy for the Institute of War. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. No, it's 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 just wild, eh? I mean, 
I think they're, they're they've just gotten to the habit of recruiting um, kids from just creative writing sociology departments. Uh, what it is? Maybe get their qualifications playing video games. That's how they they well, learn real politics is just playing, playing video games for a few years, and they're like, okay, you got the right stuff, kid. You played well. Well, Matt, yeah, here's the here's the dead clincher. If you could figure out the psychology of of you know old school old hat old network western and especially american billionaires and millionaires who fell for the theranos scandal elizabeth holmes theranos mm. scandal that is a textbook study of how people in the west are swindled it's a yeah. textbook study because that girl elizabeth holmes literally faked everything and she conned people out of tens of billions of dollars. And where did she learn it from? It happens every day at Silicon Valley. It's yeah. all verbiage and word salad. And when you take the verbiage and word salad that is, that's, that's being pushed out there for a, a new platform, a new whatever in Silicon Valley or Silicon Valley, you could see the same verbiage and word salad that describes absolutely nothing applied also to the defense sector. They'll, yeah. You'll hear buzzwords like game changer, next generation, right? Yeah. Full spectrum dominance. These are just advertising words. They mean nothing. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and, and, mm -hmm. and so this is why when, when you've been inundated and conditioned to fall for these buzzwords, then you know what? You know who's got the catchiest buzzwords? Punk kids out of college today. They have the mm -hmm. best buzzwords. And that's why some idiot kid could go ahead and be the head of Russian strategy for the Institute of War, a major U.S. think tank, and people listen to him like he knows what he's talking about. Never no, doesn't know, doesn't know shit from Shinola, but people listen to him. That's why a 28-year-old kid fresh out of college called Scam Bankman Fraud could con tens of billions of people, you know, yeah. con millions of people out of billions of dollars. Look, yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. Even the Pentagon itself yeah. has failed its fourth audit or fifth audit to the tune, I mean, it was already failing him in, in when 9-11 was happening. Like the day before 9-11 was when the first revelation that there was something like $2 trillion unaccounted for by the Pentagon budget went public. And then everybody forgot that because something else happened on like after uh, September the 10th. And now today it's, it's magnitudes worse than that. Um, how do you just lose track of this many trillions of dollars? That's like more than, I'm mean, Jesus Christ, that, that's more than the omnibus spending bill that they just passed by a fact, by, you know, a multiple of three or four yeah. um, in terms of like, what is it? Six, seven, eight trillion. I think Catherine Austin Fitz gave an estimate in her last um, assessment of like $20 trillion in 2018. Um, like it, it's everywhere. It's just fraud is just so normalized and it's all hiding behind the stupidity that, yeah, you, you could just use language just like you could use math to hide reality. You don't, the purpose of math or language are these are human creations to help better understand and express discoverable reality. That's why that's why these things were were brought into being. But these sophists, you know, word of 2023 sophistry come to understand how this 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 thing works. The art of using words in order to deflect people's attention away from your actual intention, right, to make the, the false appear true. That is also something which has been wired to uh, advance a fascist transhumanist death cult and have it look like cotton candy and, uh, and you know, freedom.
and uh, freedom is is essentially death. That's the new thing. And they've proven it mathematically by getting us to think that we are just some quantitative total of our atoms in our body. That's all we are is just a numerical concept, which can thus be, you know, measured by other numerical concepts like money. Um, And if there's too much, if it costs too much to keep that baby or that old person or whoever alive, then it, then it, then, then it's worth, then their life is not really worth living and we can eliminate them by a suicide pill or whatever else. And right now, the uh, the Davos death cult thinks that there's something like, you know, 7 billion too many people uh, to maintain to keep the uh, <laughs> the earth in harmony in some equilibrium. In, in other words, there's too many people that they can't yeah. run their con on. Yeah, their, exactly. their, 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 con cannot, their con cannot sustain the few billion people that live in the Western world. And because yeah. the rest of the world hasn't bitten, in, bitten into their con, well, they can't have the rest of the world. They can't control the rest of the world. So what yeah. the world that they can't control is the Western world. And that is why we're possibly witnessing, and I'm glad we're off of YouTube, we're possibly witnessing a mass die-off that is occurring in the West where we see an increase of 40% overall mortality in all case mortality within the Western countries, starting first in the United States, 40% increase in death from 18 to 52-year-olds. Massive. Never before Great. seen. It's put out there by insurance companies, and that is a 12, and many are calling it a 12 sigma event. It's unheard of. Yeah. So this is, you could apply that metric and that mathematics behind it. The West is heading for economic ruin. And I've said this earlier in this morning's show, Matt. If, it's like trying to bake a cake. If you put the most crappiest ingredient in the world, right, you, you put the most horrible ingredients out there, and then you mix it all together and you throw it in the oven and hoping that you'll have a delicious cake at the end of the day, that's not going to happen. There's no miracle that's going to come around and save this. Thus, yeah. the trajectory that the Western countries are on is inescapable. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't know if that <laughs> that's I mean, that that's some sobering words to, I think, end end the show on. But it's absolutely there, something is going to give like we're, we're this is not going to be some something that will just con- gradualistically just keep on moving in a slow trajectory into the into 2023 and beyond, we are reaching a, a critical mass breaking point. We're probably already past that critical mass breaking point and the shock front has been hit. It's just, it hasn't hit like a tsunami. You haven't seen that hit the shores yet, but it, it's already coming on. So with that, with that uh, turning inside out of what people thought reality was, there will be dangers. Of course, there will also be opportunities with, with crises like that. People are now much more inclined to move their minds in ways they were not prepared to do earlier when things were apparently comfortable. So that's something that we have to be prepared for um, is that increased receptivity to higher ideas that deal with the matters of survival and having a sense of, you know, both personal survival, but also the survival of our species in regards to the multipolar fight, which is the only viable long-term fight currently on the earth right now against this oligarchical death cult is coming from Eurasia and their associated allies, Russia, Iran, China, and their growing, growing armada of allies who are all saying no to this Hobbesian depopulated world order. Now, people have to internalize that because unless you can do that, you're going to be, you know, a lot of nice people, good people who are, who don't like the Great Reset are finding themselves atomized and localizing themselves in a state where all they can think to do is to break, break off and go, you know, um, go tribal, try to like preserve your, 
you know, grow, grow when it's not bad to grow food. You should all have the ability to grow food to survive the, 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 the storm in the short term. But at the same time, we have to think about how do we organize around a top down policy as well, not to have one or the other, but but both. Um, that's what a lot of good people are lacking right now because they've just they've lost faith in humanity and they've they've lost faith that that you know something better is actually possible and even more natural as far as um, a, a, a an, an order of natural law for humanity based upon an idea of our species that is anti-fascist, anti-liberal, but still premised around creative change as a constant that we can always make things better by working with people respecting their differences in culture, in language, in ethnicity, whatever, that, that makes us different. That's actually something to be celebrated. And just again, when you look at the Eurasian, what makes the Eurasian process work around the Belt and Road Initiative is that it is just that. It is not one hegemon trying to impose one value system onto the world. You have cultures of Buddhism, Confucianism, Islam, Christianity, Hinduism, other groups that are all... Yeah finding points of common ground based upon their mutual expression as humans first and working on building water systems, electricity grids <laughs> that all humans need independent of what religion you, uh, you pray to. And that works. That works every time it's done. It's everything that the Hobbesians and the Francis Fukuyamas despise. It is because it works. So we have to find that within ourselves too quick because we've wasted a lot of time. And I'd say that would be uh, what I what I what I want to leave people with, thinking about the end of 2022. Absolutely, very well said, Matthew Eret, folks. Matthew Eret, the one and only, the incomparable Matthew Eret. You can find him over at the CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, as well as the RisingTideFoundation.net. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to his Substack. Muy importante that you do, and also when you get onto the RisingTideFoundation.net, make sure you sign up so you can be alerted to the Telegram channel that Matthew and Cynthia run an amazing, amazing program over there. They do live workshops and, uh, and speaking engagements on there. Uh, also, get his books. Super important. Uh, Siege, can you pull up the books? It's on this website. Oh, yeah. It's on the Canadian Patriot site. There's a oh, new book. Um, it's a special report here, The Breaking Free of Anti-China PsyOps, uh, right there. Oh, yes. That's a new thing yes. Cynthia and I put out. Maybe we'll do a show on that, just sort of like going through the content. I would love for you to do that, man. Yeah, I think we could do that. Um, we can make a PowerPoint, but it's it's like it's seventy five pages, full color. You can get it on Amazon. You can buy the PDF on our website, yeah. and uh, it just goes through the different uh, the different components to the anti China hysterics. How this is being orchestrated? What are the key lies that they want us to believe in about China, which is turning a turning a lot of really good people into a weaponized mob of anti-China fanatics that smells a lot like the shit that was done to us during the 1950s and 60s during McCarthyism and the Cold War. Uh, while the real agency of evil located in the Venetian Anglo system of uh, the swamp of, of Europe is being deflected away from. So people don't exactly. see how that is actually the agency that's both trying to destroy the United States as well as destroy China and Russia and India and Europe. It's, it's something which is more than any one nation or ethnicity. Um, so we try to do that as, as best as we can in that little that little booklet. So you guys can pick that up too. Lovely. Yep. And with that being said, folks, thank you all for listening in. Again, follow Matthew and all his works. And with that being said, CJ, take it away. <laughs>